Are you a sneakerhead? Yeah, boy! A baller? Ballin'. Want to know about the hottest brands you can lace up and run with? Well, get ready, because we got all the details right here. Nice take by James. Oh, he stops! LeBron James puts it down in the face of James Johnson. Kevin Durant way outside. Delivers! Kevin Durant from downtown. It's a six-point game. And it goes off to Kobe. Good to ride Kobe underneath. Puts his nose on the line again. Makes the basket. He's fouled. Oh, what a play. And Kobe, after he was fouled, after the ball nestled in the net, he waved to a cameraman down in front. Says, take my picture, baby. Sixers running the break. Iverson accelerating to the jam. It's kicks and bricks where we got game on the streets, and on the court. Money's gotta be the shoes. Shoes, shoes, shoes. shoes. You sure it's not the shoes? I'm sure, Mars. Money's gotta be the shoes. And here's your host, Jamel Cutler. What up, what up? Welcome to Kicks. Joining me today is a guy that you've seen all over HBO. He's been in Oz. The Wire, The Night Of. Um, you can currently see him Saints and Sinners, my bro, J.D. Williams. What's, what's up, bro? How you doing? What's going on, man? Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, that resume sound good right there. Thank you very much, man. Mm -hmm. appreciate that. All right, so um, can you tell our listeners what you've been up to lately? Well, it's the, the same thing. If anybody has uh, followed my career or they know me as an actor, they know that, you know, I constantly just keep plugging away and keep popping up in things. Same thing, guest starring spots, um, a lot of cameos, and also a lot of independent projects that are uh, um, acting in and also producing. Uh, also trying to, you know, really get my own uh, projects off the ground. And, you know, being a dad, just staying busy, man, just trying to, you know, live a good, balanced life. As a man, as an actor, um, you evolve, like, since the why and Oz, like how did that evolution help you prepare you for saints and sinners? Oh, well, I mean, it's kind of like the same thing as if you start out as a theater actor and then you start doing film or television, it's kind of in the process of you translating, you know, one style into another style, you know? So obviously everything that I've done before, you know, saints and sinners, I'm going to, you know, use in order to, do what I'm doing now, but it is a different, um, it's network television. Um, it's a little bit more restrictive, you know, people probably used to being able to see me, you know, let loose and, you know, act a fool and curse and, you know, do, do much more graphic things, you know, explicit things. But, uh, as far as this show goes, you know, uh, that's that, I think that is actually, um, a, a little, uh, different. Like I said, it's a little more restrictive in that sense, as far as, you know, the explicitness of it and also the uh, the language. But um, even the cast that I have to work with, the wonderful cast, you know, uh, Clifton Powell, Vanessa Bell Calloway, Jasmine Burke, Trey Chaney, uh, Keith Robinson, uh, Christian Keys. You know, it's so many people, Dawn, Half Kenny, it's so many great people in the cast, you know, so I'm also used to working with an ensemble. So it's really a continuation but like I said, it's just kind of a little bit of a change in style, you know? It, it's like um, if you had to model, it's like when you have to model or when you have to do a commercial, 
instead of doing a TV show. It's still acting. Mm-hmm. It's just a different style, you know? What's the difference between, like, uh, like a commercial and a TV show? Uh, see, this is stuff that I teach in my acting class. This is this is something that I do also. I do coaching and uh, acting, you know, uh, a couple of times a month. So uh, if anybody's interested in that, go to uh, JD Williams group at gmail.com, attention, uh, acting coaching, or hit me up on the Instagram at the real JD Williams. But this is something that I do explain uh, in that, that crash course that I give, which is, like I said, there's different styles. If you're a theater actor, you have to learn, uh, know about your position and know about your projection. Know that there's, mm-hmm. we have a spatial awareness just for the simple fact of whether it's your back facing the audience or just so you don't fall off the stage. You know, there is no doing it over again. So that's a whole style and whole technique that you have to have in person to carry it on with people. Now, when you get in front of a camera, that's not the same style. You don't have to be as loud. You don't have to project. You're only acting for one lens. You're not acting for a multitude of people. You know, you already have staging that the camera can move around, so you can't act with your back. You can whisper, you know, so it's different. Is and, and like I said, for each one, just like there's a different style of acting for voice acting. There's a different style of acting for commercials. When you're doing a commercial, you're trying to sell something to people, you know? So it's usually, you know, being more inviting, smiling, you know, and so forth and so on. So there's different styles. And the same with modeling. When you're modeling, you usually you know, doing marketing and, you know, trying to make people feel, you know, inviting or at least give them something impressionable to remember. Right. So those mm-hmm. are the, you know, there's different levels. And like I said, like I get more in depth uh, about it all, you know, in the course. But basically, yeah, there's different styles to to all of that. When you do television, a scene can only go so long because you only have so much time in a TV show, you know. But when you do a, a movie, you might you can take much longer in a scene because the movie you have more time to sit there and stare at each other, you know, and it feels different in a film than it does on a television show, you know, and it's just, you know, there's different, different less restrictions. So like I said, it's, it's, it, it goes deeper, but that's the you know, basic general answer to your question. <laughs> you know, on Saints and Sinners, you was um, reunited with Trey, like, did you guys click just like you did on the wire and did like your days on the wire help with your, on-screen chemistry? Um, well, see, it, it, those like were two different things because uh, going into Saints and Sinners, there's a certain admiration and respect that we all have for each other because basically, you know, a lot of us, I mean, it, it, with the exception of Clifton and, and uh, Vanessa, who are, you know, our, we consider our, you know, OGs and our mentors, um, but also they're our peers and colleagues too. but the rest of us, uh, we we kind of all feel like we're all in the same class, you know? Like, we, we, we've watched each other, we've seen each other, we all have a mutual respect. Uh, on The Wire, n- not to say that we didn't have respect and we didn't know each other, it was just, that, that felt like more of a theater uh, atmosphere, akin to Oz, how it was more like how each actor was just like, you know, very in tuned and um, very, uh, aggressive with how they were gonna, you know, get into their characters. And like I said, we were all cut loose. You know what I'm saying? There was a lot of things that we were allowed to do as those characters that, you know, we can't do on Saints and Sinners. But short answer to to the long question, 
is yes, we did all get along. You know, we all clicked. We all wanted to work together and we all uh, enjoyed doing scenes together. So yes, we all get along. Um, but The Wire, like I said, it was a whole different beast. You know, that was kind of more like going to war together. Was it hard for you guys to erase the stigma of Lombodian poop going into Saints and Sinners? I think it's like asking like Scarf, like uh, asking Al Pacino, are people going to keep calling him Scarface? You know, like it's no getting around, you know, stuff that made you noticeable to people, you know, what made people feel for you, you know? So no matter, you know, what I do, you know, that's always going to be there. I could do, God bless me to do a, a Marvel movie, you know, this year or next year, and people still going to say, oh, snap, Bodie got superpowers, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> it is what it is, <laughs> you know, like I'm good with it, you know? Um, but nah, it's, it, like I said, um, I think, that that comes more with a branding than uh, a stigma because you can't really have like a a real popular TV show anywhere without having at least one person from the wire on. It's like almost like wire actors, you know, legitimize a lot of stuff. You know, it's like having somebody come from somewhere that's that's stamped and approved. So we don't try to shy away from that, and uh, I would even say we're leaning into it because that's a you know a blessing. It doesn't stop me from feeling like I get to play other roles. It just so happened that pe- that that's what sticks out the most to people about me. Can you talk about like how this Kendrick and Jabari relationship is different from Bodie and Poot? Or like, are they kind of, um, or do they have like the same dynamic? No, it's it's not the same dynamic at all. Uh, these guys are, were, were friends and um, uh, their friendship, it was, always tentative anyway you know it was always a it was more of a business friendship and more of a acquaintanceship at the end of the day uh between the two you know uh Bodie and Puda from Baltimore obviously and Jabari and um uh what's the other character's name Jabari and uh Kendrick, uh, Kendrick. yeah uh, sorry so many characters floating around in my head but Jabari and Kendrick <laughs> Are from Atlanta, Georgia. So, I mean, there's a difference in you know how they were, they are, are just as characters. Period. But between the the relationships with the characters, yeah, um, I would say the characters between the the Bodie Poop relationship was had more loyalty in it. You know, it was based off loyalty. It was definitely more real friendship. And this one. Is more, you know, it's a lot of other factors in a way. It's way more complicated. It's family situations in a way. It's a whole lot of betrayal and all types of other things in a way. So, yeah, those relationships are definitely different. That's why I said, like, even if people tend to see Bodie and Pooh, they're going to still see the characters, but they're going to, you know, they can still enjoy and make those, you know, correlations and, and see the difference because they know Bodie and Pooh so well, they're going to see the difference in these two characters, you know, so. And eventually, you know, at, you know, uh, having a, a a long career and you know keeping it together, whether that goes for me, Trey, or whoever, you know, eventually, you know, your resume just speaks for itself, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's that. Before the wire, you were um, on shows like Oz and The Sopranos. You know, how did those roles help you to um, prepare for Bodie? Well, I mean, aside from being around all of those great actors on both of those shows, all of the great directors, the producers, everybody, because that was more like college for me. You know, those those four years were my college years. 
doing those those shows and Sex in the City and you know all of that stuff. H, a lot of HBO things and commercials and everything. But it was all a learning process, you know, being around those actors and still honing my craft as an actor, getting improving at that. You know, learning from directors, learning from producers, and seeing how things work. You know, and just you know, getting experience, all those things, and paying attention because I mean, I could see how, you know, some people could just you know do it and, and miss a lot, you know. But I did my best to you know learn as much as I could along the way. So that's 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 really what I um I like to take away from uh, working right now, especially at you know this stage of my career. So. I just try to make sure I'm learning and I'm staying busy and, you know, I get a chance to provide myself opportunities to apply that information. Probably next to The Wire, The Sopranos, that's a show I wouldn't mind seeing like another few seasons from. Like, why do you think people like just can't let go of like The Wire and The Sopranos, like shows like that? Well, it's the same reason why like certain shows, certain shows like um, movies resonate with people like Casino, or uh, the way Malcolm X is just entertaining to people, even though, you know, it's heavy, but it's just something that you can watch, you know? So it's like these stories that shows like this tell are like universal, they're superbly written, they're superbly shot, you know what I'm saying? They're superbly acted, and they really affect a lot of people. And then remember, you know, this is at a time where, like, what's funny, is that this was at a time when shows weren't really binged, but mm-hmm. The Wire got popular once they let out that third season at one time and everybody binged it. So The Wire was like even one of the first shows to even come out and get binged, you know, and that's when it really started catching on. And so that's why I actually, that's, and I think that's a good thing because that's why even to this day, people are still discovering The Wire to this day. It's still people like, yo, my friend finally, I finally watched The Wire, my friend just, and that's why, you know, uh, and shows like this, like, um, like you said, uh, Sopranos and, you know, shows like that are always going to have a fan base because it's always going to be somebody that's going to just be watching it. You know, it's always going to, it's always going to have that new fan that's like, oh man, why didn't I see this? A long time ago and when new people do see it and, and then that fan is always going to tell somebody about it and then when new people see it they always gonna like it you know what i'm saying 90 percent of the time so you know <laughs> you know you know what would a prequel of the why look like with a focus on Bodie? since prequels are now kind of like the end thing for, um, for certain tv shows um well if i remember um, much of the story correctly, if I remember, you know, the wire history correctly, um, <clears throat> and I don't know how much they would also take from actual real life, you know, because the real mm-hmm. Bodie Browdish, you know, I'm pretty sure we could incorporate way more of his earlier life into my what what was uh, incorporated from his life into the character of Bodie, because a lot of the characters had a little bit of the actual Bodie Browdish in them. Uh, at different stages in his life, like uh, mm-hmm. the Avon Barksdale character, because Bodie's real name is Barksdale. He's he's a Barksdale in real life, you know. And so some of the Avon characters is part of him at a certain stage in his life. So even part of the string of Bell, even though that's based on an actual person, you know, there was a lot of stuff in there that um they like amalgamated. But a lot of my character 
obviously even with the name Bodie, um, took a lot of his, you know, uh, personality and life at a certain stage in life. And actually, uh, the prequel, uh, it wouldn't be able to be 100% true to Bodie Browdis because at a, I, I, I can't remember exactly what age, I want to say somewhere like 14 or something like that, excuse me if I'm wrong, but uh, he was playing on the back of an ice cream truck and he got his leg smashed by the back of the truck. So he had a prosthetic leg. So we can't retcon the wire and say Bodie lost his leg, you know, but we could do a lot of other stuff that he did in his life. Uh, I would say to uh, pay homage to him and also to the city of Baltimore, I would say that they should base, uh, uh, if it was a prequel of The Wire and it had Bodie in it, I think they should take a lot of it from the real Bodie Browdis' life. Bodie, he was like loosely based on Nathan Boxdale, like you said. Did you ever meet the real Nathan Box? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, a couple of years ago, I think. But uh, he came to the set a couple times. Uh, we actually did a scene together. Um, he's in the show when um, when uh, Coleman um, is uh, introducing Hamsterdam. The, the 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 sergeant is introducing Hamsterdam, uh, and he has it all lined up, telling us that we can. Uh, it's a free zone, and we can do whatever we want there. Uh, Nathan Barksdale, Bo Nathan Bodie Barksdale is actually standing right next to me, you know, and he has a line in that scene too, I believe. So, yeah, we snuck him in there like once or twice. Oh man, now you're making me going back to like go and rewatch The Wire again. Now it's like little stuff like that is what makes the show, you know, one of the best in history. Yeah, it was a, it was a couple of more G's in that scene too. If you look, I'm I'm not sure. If, Lil Melvin was in that scene, but it was a, it was a couple of people in that scene. Like if you know, uh, Baltimore, you know, street legends and you know people like that. But um, but yeah, he was definitely there in that scene, standing right next to me. Throughout the wire, like what were some of the toughest scenes that that you had to film? Really, the the toughest scene that I had to film was this. It was the scene with uh with the Michael character, and Bodie was trying to convince him to stay with him to drug deal and that was the first time I really like you know had to pull like the writer to the side and you know really talk myself you know just really rationalize and, and, and break down to, to put it short I just didn't get into acting to tell some kid not to, to drug do to deal drugs and that's like literally what my character was doing was saying stay out of school and deal drugs and I, I really wasn't comfortable with just saying that, like, so blatantly, you know. But then I came around to the understanding that the character, you know, he didn't really mean it. And he was desperate. And, you know, it was also kind of a sarcasm to it, you know, because this kid could, could, you know, stay in school and become an astronaut, you know, or a bail officer or something, you know. And so that was, like, probably, like, the hardest scene for me. You know, and I mean, aside from stuff where you're outside and you're cold and you know what I'm saying, or, you know, where you get got to do a fight scene or some choreography or a stunt or something like that. That stuff is fun to me, really. But uh, but that was like the, the hardest scene that for me to have to, like, you know, say and do. Do you have like any favorite lines from Bodie? Because like because me personally, my favorite was when you told Lex, you know, fuck that bitch. Move on. Which scene was that? 
from season four when Lex killed on fruit. Yeah, <laughs> fuck that bitch. Move <laughs> on. Yeah. Okay. Well, see, it, it, it's crazy because some of this stuff, you know, was sound bites that was written in. A lot of this stuff was stuff that, you know, I just, you know, kind of ad lib, you know, so it was different. Like, even like a lot of the times, like um, the names that we would come up with for the drugs, you know, David Simon would do them, but mm-hmm. sometimes we would come up with suggestions and we just end up with them, you know, or if we on set and they get in like wild sound, that's where you record sounds after you actually shoot it and you record sound so you could put it into the movie, like under the soundtrack. And sometimes we would mm-hmm. just, you know, say different names of different drugs, just, you know, because it sounded crazy. Like, like um, with the Incredible Hulk, you know, mm-hmm. people just yelling stuff out, you know, the pandemic. Remember we had <laughs> pandemic. Uh, what else we had? Oh, and then WMD. Had, yeah, I was about to say that. And see now, mm-hmm. we, he had the WMD in there, but I, because I was like, I know he wants to use the WMD and that's we're going to use it. But I actually like verbalized myself, the will mass destruct your ass. I just came up because I was like, well, I guess it'll sound like this if we said it, you know what I'm saying? So, so yeah. So like I said, there was like a, a, a healthy amount of uh, artistic freedom, you know, that we had. So personally, do you have any favorite scenes? Because I like, um, when you and Poot have went on a date with your girls and then you guys have ran into Herc and Carver at the movie theater. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people do like that scene. Uh, you go to the movies, y'all go to the movies. Yeah, that was, that was cool. That was fun because that was actually, I think if that wasn't the first time, <clears throat> that was one of the first times they actually showed us, you know, regular also, you know, so that was fun. Um, I, I, I think, my favorite scene, I mean, I, I do have a couple that I hold really dear, uh, but I think one that I really was like really excited to do was uh, my scene, the scene with McNulty in the Arboretum. I think that one really touched me a lot because of the respect that they took to shoot it, like where it was, how it looked, the dialogue, the time they took. Um, it was just small details in it that, you know, me and even um the way Dominic West was 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 doing his thing with me and you know the way we were uh breaking breaking down the scene it was like uh I think that was uh, my favorite scene to shoot I mean but there's some like close contenders like every scene that I shot with Idris me and him always had fun and always you know broke scenes down to the nth degree so he got a lot of uh contenders for my favorite scenes too you know un- Another good scene was like at the at season one where he, where he, where you guys were playing chess, and and to me like I felt that scene was an ominous precursor to the fate of Bodie Wallace and D'Angelo. Yeah, of course. I mean, it was uh, for anybody that wants to play that game. You know, that's for anybody. You know, you start out, you know, as what you are. If you start out as a pawn, you're gonna be a pawn. You started as a king. You know, you're going to be a king, you know, and so forth and so on. So, uh, yeah, that was definitely, you know, a, a, a metaphor that, um, I mean, I can't say it was it was too subtle, but it was like super effective, you know, and it's and it's timely, timeless, you know. So, um, yeah, that was definitely great for uh, the way David Simon you know, worked that in. 
next to Omar, I think like Bodie like was a fan favorite, kind of like an anti-hero because even after Bodie died, you've seen like the mules were Bodie and the same thing with Omar. Like even after Omar died, you still seen people talking about him in the streets as opposed to other characters. When they die, they just die and nobody really mentions them anymore. And it's kind of structured that way. You know, me, us as characters, we have more time. People have more time with us to, you know, associate with us and, and bond, you know, so other people, you know, they might have liked and had a chance to like, but, you know, whether they came and they left, you know, that's how it happened. But, you know, it's structured that way. We can't have everybody, you know, having feelings for everybody, <laughs> you know, that is, that'd be the worst. But what they did was, which is like kind of um, uh, some of that DNA from Oz, which is they kept it to where anybody, you know, can suffer the consequence of whatever that action is, you know, anybody could die at any time. You know, and there's going to be, you know, some some bills to be settled at the end of the day. And the way Bodhi lived, like, I thought, like, Bodhi would have went out in the blaze of glory. Like, your death scene was, like, a little bit anti-climatic. Okay. Well, I mean, that's good to hear. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not that it's good to hear, but you're the first person <laughs> I, I've heard say that. But I like hearing different opinions. You know, all I did was act yeah. it. I didn't write it. I didn't direct it. Right, but, right. you know, we gave it to you. But, you know, like you said, it, it's fine. Like, criticism is fine. Criticism is great. And it's mm-hmm. crazy, too, because if you was expecting more, that's good, too. You know what I'm saying? We don't want nobody mm-hmm. to say, like, you know, yeah, right? I ain't expect I ain't expect shit. You know, that was good <laughs> enough. You know, so it's great, you know, for people to be like, yo, it could have went, you know, even further or whatever. So that that's that's cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that um, Ernest Dickinson, who directed Juice, he directed mm-hmm. that episode. And um, like I said, he handled that scene. That's one of my favorite scenes that I shot also uh, for the simple fact that, I mean, that wasn't the first time he directed me or he directed the episode of uh, The Wire, but it was just such respect. And I learned so much from him just from the way he handled that scene because he came and he said, um, the way that I've storyboarded this and he took the time to storyboard it or you know think i mean think of his shots exactly the way he wanted it and he told me um i watched the show and i already know how people feel about Bodie, so we have to shoot it like this because i don't want to show Bodie with a bullet in his head people ain't gonna want to see that you know what i'm saying him laying there with blood coming out i got i can't do it to people you know he was like people not gonna want to see that so he uh i think that yeah he tried to get as visceral as he could, but I think he was really showing respect, not only to, to the character, but also to the black man, because, you know, we we take playing with people's feelings like that too lightly sometimes, you know, like, it's like, yeah, I want to see, like, the, the graphicness of it, even when 10 out of 10 times, it, stuff is worse in your head than it is in real life, you know? Mm-hmm. So, it's like, yeah, I think that he he taught he had respect for the audience and respect for the material, respect for me as an actor, respect for the character. And I, I just like the way, you know, he did that. And I'm glad that, you know, like I said, I'm glad that even if it's people that feel like that, it could have been went further. I'm still glad that they enjoyed it and they still felt felt what, what the scene was meant to do, you know? If Bodie would have survived, like, do you think he would have been a boss like Slim Charles or, you know, working at Foot Locker, like Poop? Um... Nah, if Bodie would have survived, man, I honestly he was already at a crossroads. So I think 
either I, I, I think retaliation would have been more so in in line, but not even more so out of anger. I just don't think he would have had a lot left, you know, to mm-hmm. to do, you know, with his life. Unless he was going to leave Baltimore, you know, he didn't have a crew. He didn't have, you know, any type of backup. The people he did have young, young kids, you know, like, so if 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 he was going to do, I don't think, like I said, he only had an option to leave Baltimore or retaliate. And I don't think, I don't think he would leave. So, you know, I think he'd just go all out because, you, you know, you ain't get him the first time. So he, don't, he probably wouldn't think you're going to get him the second time. That Tupac video that you was in always felt that the character you was playing in the video was kind of like Bodie reincarnated. But then in that video, you you died too. So I was like, damn, like Bodie just can't catch a break here. <laughs> yeah, well, like that, that goes back to the style of acting again, because that's mm-hmm. another thing about theater. Theater actors, we love to die in front of the whole audience because that's the most dramatic scene and you get to see people and hurt people and make people feel right there the most that you feel like they can feel so death scenes you know especially when they're done right can be some of the most important you know impactful you know look at iron man you know what i'm saying death scenes can look at what happened look at michael b you know death scenes can change a lot of things and death scenes can be the most important scenes you know period you know so yeah, I, I'm 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 really good at those, you know, and I I enjoy them. Not not for if they're earned from my character, I enjoy them. Like if if my character has an arc and it is is earned and is deserved as far as you know, it's something that I'm giving to the audience. Uh, yeah, I I don't I don't mind doing that, but you know, there it, it, it comes a, a certain type of compassion that comes with that type of thing, you know. You know, you can't just be somebody that just goes up and people like to see you get shot all the time, you know, or whatever, or you deserve to get shot all the time, you know. So I, I like to be able to have different facets and show different sides um, of that whole same, you know, medium. Because if you look at certain people, like they might end up in the same place, but, you know, everybody had a different personality, you know, and just got them there, you know. There's a lot of shows that The Wire kind of set the blueprint for. Like, do you think that if it wasn't for The Wire, shows like Power and Snowfall, like they wouldn't, they wouldn't exist as we know it today? Oh, of course, of course not. I mean, it's just like when you say like, I mean, we've had like music shows, you know, black music shows before, but it's just like how, you know, Empire, you know, kind of set off a certain style, you know, and yeah, and power even because right now you know a lot of shows that's not even the power spinoffs you know try to look like power you know now mm-hmm. and you know try to have that so yeah it's, it, a lot of times it, it definitely is about aesthetic you know and so it's like if you're going to do a fast and if you're going to do a car action car movie you're probably going to try to make it look something like fast and the furious you know what i'm saying even if you wanted to be somewhat different, it's probably you probably gonna say, "Nah, I need this from Fast and the Furious." So, a lot of shows that do, you know, borrow or you know, um, whatever, you know, do, do, use use their own thing. They they gonna you know have things that's gonna be similar. Especially like I said, if it's of quality, you know what I'm saying. If it's good, if stuff is good, it's gonna be good, you know. 
So mm-hmm. and then and then it's like eating a cake. If you eating a good cake over here, and then you go over there and have some good cake, that good cake over there gonna remind you of the cake you had at the first spot, right? <laughs> You're gonna be like, <laughs> yeah. So that's how I go. Do you have any favorite characters from Power that you kind of like identify with? I didn't see the whole like the whole run. I think I made it through the first couple of seasons. Um, when it first started out, I, I did like I like Omari's character. Ghost Ghost was really you know interesting. Omari's a very strong actor, great presence. You know what I'm saying? So he made he made it interesting on his own a lot. You know what I'm saying? Just just watching him was like half the show. I would have liked to see a different interpretation on the sun. Like he could have did the same things he did, but I just would have liked to see somebody that was more like ghost, you know, like a mini ghost, you mm-hmm. know, somebody that was already kind of fresh and just like his dad, you know what I'm saying? I would have liked to see more, a little more charisma, you know, in the character. You but, know, which character, oh, my bad. No, nah, you good. No, um, no, nah, you good. Like, like, which character do you feel like is more of a snake? Prop Joe, Stringer, or Ghost in power? Stringer, Stringer. Stringer, Stringer, me and my brother just got into it the other day about Stringer being a snake. And then he said Avon did the same thing. I'm like, boy, how can you say that? But I guess this new generation can't tell the difference of snake and getting snake. You know what I'm saying? So whatever, man. But anyway, um, yeah, nah, Stringer, because Stringer didn't build what he tried to take. You know what I'm saying? And he wasn't even doing it. He wasn't even trying to uh, trying to do it in the right way. You know, Prop Joe already, Prop Joe was who he was. You know what I'm saying? He was in a position to do, it's like, it, Prop Joe's situation was like asking somebody, asking the person that your, your spouse cheated on you with why they did it. It's like, hey, I don't know you. It's my job. I'm over here doing my job. That's Prop Joe. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yo, I'm Prop Joe. I'm going to make a proposition. If you ain't with it, I'm going to find another one and I'm going to do that. It's in his name, you know? So Prop Joe, you can't even be mad at. Who was the other one you said? Stringer and Ghost. Ghost. Now, but like I said, it was Ghost's organization to do with what he pleased. You know what I'm saying? That was, it was his. He built that. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, that show got crazy, like, entangled. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, the, mm-hmm. they brought in all of the, you know, the other, you know, the other fantastic stuff, like the the Fed thing and, you know, all of the extra stuff with the serial killer thing and the card, and all of that stuff. So, you know, kind of once it goes off into, into that realm, it is what it is. It's like Dexter or something like that. You know what I'm saying? So that's, that's just what that is. But, like I said, that's still ghosts to do with what he pleased to do with it. You know what I'm saying? That's like Nino Brown. Like Nino Brown was messed up, but I mean, I mean, yeah, he was he was a snake, but that was his. It was he was he was Nino Brown. I mean, him and G Money did, you know, but but they know y'all know what he about. <laughs> y'all know, y'all know how he was, you know. So I'm gonna go with that right there. But yeah, Stringer was the biggest snake. He he snake, he snaked his brother. And he tried to take over something that wasn't his. It was a family business on top of that. He killed his man's nephew. You know, like, 
told was telling the dudes, telling telling his soldiers to to follow the rules, but he didn't want to follow the rules. You know, in the meetings, it was like he wasn't even he wasn't really about what he was preaching from the door. None of it. He wasn't about none of it. Which character do you feel is more ruthless, like Marlo or Kanan? I think Kanan has more development. So in that case, we can understand his motivation better. And probably people probably I mean, I guess he got his own spinoff. So I guess people empathize with that character. Right. So mm -hmm. I'm gonna have to go with Marlo because his character was more blank. Like it's like you know less about him, and he was just doing all of these things. You know what I'm saying? Like giving these orders, and it was just like you know this, the dead stoic face, and you know him just saying do this, and I'm doing it because I'm Marlo. You know, so I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Marlo was more ruthless because we knew less about him and he did worse things <laughs> you know in your mind like who would be the equivalent to Bodhi on power on power yeah um i mean like i said i'm not really really caught up but from what i understand mm -hmm. my boy rotimi's part i think people was kind of equating that as far as him being like kind of a soldier, so as far as, uh, you know, being like a right-hand man kind of guy. Uh, but I mean, I don't, I don't know, really. I don't, I don't think it's any characters like Bodie on there because everybody on power got money. Bodie was broke, bro. <laughs> he was broke. Yeah. Like, nah, you, you probably wouldn't even catch Bodie on power, but for like two seconds. All right, so years from now, do you think we'll still be talking about power like we do the wire? Um, I think if if it's up to 50 cent, yeah. <laughs> if if it's up to him, yes, we will be talking about it's gonna be power book of something number 12. Yes, we will be talking about power. Uh <laughs> but um I don't know, like I said, it, it Certain shows, especially fictionalized shows like that, can't really, you know, be in the same box as The Wire, you know? So, you know, people are going to talk about The Wire differently than they talk about power, always. You know what I'm saying? It's the same way. To me, it's the same difference between The Wire and Breaking Bad. People like Breaking Bad a lot, but Breaking Bad is all fake. And then towards the end, it started just, you know, getting magical mystical he just started getting away with stuff okay fine probably was still great probably was still good but it's not real uh sons of anarchy same thing you know but the wire even though it's obviously not a a, a direct event for event account the city the research the actors the story it came from the people who was the reporters that wrote on this when it was actually happening in the city and a teacher who actually taught kids and a, a soldier who actually went to war and experienced all these things, they sat down and this is their chronicle of, you know, what actually happened, you know, and they talked to the, the people that they arrested back in the day and the people that they worked with and, and trained up. And, and it was, it was, it was a real living piece of art. 
You know what I'm saying? And other shows not going to be able to touch that. Very few shows that have that same same environment. And then before we go, we have to talk about some hoops. Like, who are some teams and players that you like? Teams? Yeah. As far as ball? Yeah, ball players. Uh, man, I took a break from ball last season. I mean, I was checking in, but yeah, man, it was getting a little bit too finicky. I wasn't liking all the stories. Like, I just wanted to see some ball playing, and I wanted them to just talk about the, 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 you know, the wins and the, the highlights and everything. So it was just so much going on last year that I kind of stepped away from, from checking in on the league so much. But I'm going to still rock. I'm going to definitely rock with the Nets this year. I mean, you know, it's Brooklyn, and we, you know, we mad that we don't got our team no more. But they are a fire team, you know, right now. I'm going to give them that. Um, who else I think is going to be a dope team? I think Trey Young and them boys going to go again this year. I think they're going to go even harder. Cause it's like he gonna he gonna he like Super Saiyan one right now. Like I think this year he gonna go like Super Saiyan two on people. Like he he on some Gohan right now. And then um, who else is killing him? I don't know what Lillard is gonna do this year. You know, I mean, I, I'm sure he gonna do great, but I don't know. You know, how far he gonna carry? You know, his team this year. But um, but yeah, I'm still I'm still leaning towards Brooklyn. You can't never ever count LeBron out. As long as LeBron is in the league, he got a chance. So, you know, I'm, I got to put him in that box too. Like, I can't because dude is too big, too strong, too smart. You know, so. You know, and I'm, and me personally, I'm praying for, for Lakers Nets finals. Like, I want that series so bad. Everybody healthy. Like, no excuses. That's what I want to see next year. That, that would be funny because you'll have Harden and uh, KD on this side, and then Westbrook will be on this side looking at them two, you know. Going and then you got you got LeBron looking at Kyrie from this side, and him looking at LeBron from that side. That'd be an emotional game. This gonna be crazy, man. Yeah, that that would be a super emotional game. Hey, Brooklyn, they probably would have won it this year if KD foot wasn't on the line against the Bucks in Game Seven. You know what? It, it, what's funny is that. This this year, and not to take nothing away from Giannis, salute to Giannis because he did, like he said, he did it the hard way. He stuck it out because everybody got hurt this year, right? Even he was hurt. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah, this year was decided. Really, to be honest, this year was decided by injuries. But what leveled it out is that everybody got hurt. You know, so it's like whoever really dealt with it because you actually saw dudes like coming in like when Harden was hurt he tried to play a little bit hurt AD tried to play a little bit hurt you know what I'm saying everybody still tried to play uh, uh, Chris Paul went all the way till he couldn't do it no more you know what I'm saying like I mean he was still doing it but he played through his injury basically he only skipped what two games or something like that one two games and then it was like um yeah so and then uh, Giannis I think he heard something about his foot Somewhere his, hurt, his foot was hurt or something like that, wasn't it? It was his knee. Yeah, his knee. I was about to say, yeah, down yeah. there. So, you know, so everybody was hurt. And if Giannis, imagine if Giannis would have just been like, you know what? I'm not even going to test it with my knee. I'm going to sit out. Like, that would have been another person out. And now we just got to injure Chris Paul, see what he could do with it. You know what I'm saying? And the funny thing is, I don't know. I 
that was Chris Paul's window, but I'm not yep. sure if he still would have got it without without Giannis. I mean, not to say that he would have had a great chance, but it's just something about how you know how teams just once they get that chemistry going, you can't stop them. It's like when you don't tell a kid no, they think mm-hmm. they can do it, and they'll probably end up doing it. You know, so that's what happened. Like the the Bucks was like they they believed, especially when you think like oh all of this happened. And now we here. We must be able to do it. You know? So they did it. <laughs> and Chris Paul, I don't know what happened, man. I don't I don't know what happened, bro. Because he was looking good at first. And then I don't know. Like I said. I think Chris Paul is cursed. Like, dude just can't catch a break, no matter what happens. This was like his best year too. That bro, that was his shot, bro. He like. Unless he joins some other team, he not getting back there. Everybody, all them injuries, like I said, not to take nothing away from his greatness because he's the, he is, if he ain't the greatest point guard, he won, he top two. But, bro, he ain't getting back to that, to the finals, like, by himself. He not doing that again. Mm-mm. That was his window, all right? right so there. now before we go, like, so now before we go, I want to play start, bench, cut with you, right? Like two rounds of that. So what so is it? I'll name like three things, start, bench, and cut. Okay. I'll give okay. you three things, and, and, then, and then you tell me start, bench, cut. All right. So um, start, bench, cut, we have the wire, snowfall, and power. I mean, start the wire, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen I, – I, to be honest with you, I haven't seen enough of snowfall. I just really, started snowfall myself. Yeah, I haven't seen enough of snowfall mm-hmm. to really make that call because, like I said, it's just a certain uh, a certain level of authenticity that I'm sure that snowfall has over power. You know what I'm saying? But but power did have, you know, like I said, that also right, that, so, that slickness. So um, so you right, can you take what? out no snowfall. I'm gonna cut power only because I watched some of it already, and I'm gonna bench mm-hmm. snowfall so I can watch it. All right, but. All right, so now we have some of our favorite duos. We got Bodie and Poot, Herc and Carver, Tommy and Ghost. Yeah, in that order. That's the right order right there. <laughs> All right, man, I can respect that. I want to thank you for coming on today. Like, I kind of grew up on your roles, and I'm looking forward to seeing what's next in the future. Oh, man, thank you. Uh, I appreciate you for having me. Oh, and just to give you a little bit on that last question real quick. Look. Herc and Carver, Bodie and P- Bodie and Poop, never betrayed each other. Mm-hmm. So oh, that's Tommy, Tommy and Ghost, Tommy and Ghost gotta go last. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So they wasn't, they wasn't, they wasn't friends. They wasn't brothers like that. But yeah, man, thank you for having me, bro. I appreciate it. I enjoyed myself. To all your watchers, like I said, y'all can check me out at the Real JD Williams uh, on Instagram, uh, JD Williams E N T on Twitter. Um, like I said, I got the acting classes, go to JD Williams group at gmail.com and leave a, a, a message that you want information for the acting classes, uh, coaching classes. And, um, yo, man, like I said, thank you for having me.